Hello, and welcome back to The Authentic Path. This is episode number two, and on this episode, I will be interviewing Donya Sherman. Donya Sherman is a student entrepreneur passionate about combining human rights and technology innovation to create lasting, sustainable social change. She is the founder, CEO, and inventor of NoNap, a cocktail napkin that is capable of detecting the presence of illicit drugs in a beverage. Through NoNap, Donya works to empower college and dating-aged individuals to always be in the know of what they are consuming. Danya has participated in distinguished entrepreneurial fellowship programs, including Halcyon House, Future Founders, Kairos, and Target. She is featured as Washington's Life Technology 25 Innovators and Disruptors, DC's Inno's 25 Under 25 Brightest Young Innovators, Cafe 100 Changemaker, Impact Awards Female Entrepreneur of the Year USA Finalist, Toyota's Mother of Invention, among Washington's Life Technology Hall of Fame, and Forbes's 2020 Class of 30 Under 30 Social Entrepreneurs. And wow, what a mouthful that was to say. Seriously, Danya is so impressive. She has been renowned for what she's done uh, all around the country, and I'm really excited to share this with you. So thanks for listening, and please enjoy the show. Three, two, one, zero. Danya? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on here, and I'm really excited for our conversation. So to get started, I just want to ask you about who you are and what you're doing right now um, and what your your big project is. If you could just like share a little bit of your story just to give the audience a little bit of a, an outline, that'd be awesome. So my name is Danya. I'm the founder and CEO of NoNap. We create cocktail napkins that are capable upon saturation of detecting specific drug presence. So we work to empower, educate, and advocate against drug-facilitated sexual assault and crime one napkin at a time. Boom! Amazing. Beautiful. Okay. So uh, I was watching, doing some research about you before the call, and I discovered that you started this company in a class in college. So... Being a business major and an entrepreneurship minor, I've been in entrepreneurship classes and we've like gone through the motions of starting companies and no one has ever actually started one. So like what about your experience in this class was different than, you know, 99% of students and how did you actually start a company? Yeah, that's a really good question. I went into the class with the intention of developing the business. Cool. So I, my, hmm trying to think back on my story because it's been a while. My undergraduate degree is in international affairs and security policy. So taking an elective called women's entrepreneurial leadership was completely outside of all the required classes and anything that a lot of my peers were taking. But it was to my father's pushing that I took the class. And it was in that class, I was able to put pen to paper and really develop the concepts and the business concepts that I had been thinking of for a company similar to NoNap. And it was through this class that everyone entered the new venture competition at the George Washington University, which is my undergraduate uh, school. And I ended up making it to the final round of the competition. That is the school-wide competition. So that was a really big deal for that class. There were a few other students that had made it to the finals as well. And because I made it to the finals, you were automatically given money. And, and it, was, it was a small portion. Looking back, I thought I was, I was the richest person in the world for having received at the end of the competition $10,000 towards my company. But I remember 
that competition very vividly because I did not receive first, second, or third place. Mm-hmm. And I actually received Audience's Choice Award, which is where I was able to receive the the money for the company for. And my professor came up to me and said, Danya, that's the best recognition you can get because you were voted the company that the audience and your peers wanted to see the most. And yeah. so having that, having that mindset that really in judging, judges can be looking for whatever, right? I can't control what a judge sees in me or doesn't see, but the audience's choices is the vote of recognition from the, your peers. Yeah. And that was a really big um, accolade. And then from there, I was accepted into Halcyon's incubator program. And Halcyon, if you're not familiar, is an early stage incubator for social ventures. I took a semester off from school, was at Halcyon, really grew my company. And from there, was able to, to skyrocket and get the support that helped bring us to where we are today. Awesome. So to back up a little bit, because basically the purpose of this podcast is to help people who have dreams and aspirations, but don't really know how to do it or don't have the courage to do it. Um, and so like you went into this class wanting to start this business, right? And then you got entrepreneur's choice award, which is, or got audience choice award, which is basically like making sure you have a market, which is what any company needs. So that's awesome. Um, and then got into Halcyon, right? So, you know, that's like a pretty abbreviated version of the story. And I imagine like your personal like what you were feeling and thinking every day and what you were doing was a much like steeper learning curve. So like, what was the actual steps that you had to take both like from, from like having the idea and like having this mission and purpose to help women around the world to then like actually doing it. Right. Cause that's what matters. Yeah, absolutely. I, at the time of taking this class was working two jobs. I was taking five classes And I also had a boyfriend at the time, which I joke is like an additional three credits on top of everything (laughs) else that I was doing. And I credit my initial business skills really to the one internship I had Hmm. that during that, the one of the internships I had at the time, which was I worked on the Hill on Capitol Hill in Congressman Paul Gosar's office. And I was in charge of taking all constituent calls and and whatnot. And I was trained to answer the phone and take whatever message, comment was given to me and say, thank you so much for your feedback. I will pass it on to the congressman. And and we did. We took down notes and especially on, on hot subjects, making sure that constituents' voices were heard. And, and so they were passed on to the congressman. But I was socially berated and verbally berated many times on the wow. phone. So being able to ha- develop thick skin and take criticism and feedback that is personal but not personal is very important and was a skill that I acquired there that really helped and continues to help me in business now. I remember very vividly after one of my competitions, early competitions, having a judge come up to me after and he's 
I'm I'm a I'm a pretty big person. I'm five four and in heels. I'm five six. I'm a I'm a strong person. Uh, but granted, there was this uh, male judge. He had to have been taller than six foot who came up to me after a competition and there was a happy hour after. So he had alcohol on his breath and I'll never forget this. This was in the earlier stages of my company came up to me, leaned into my face and with alcohol on his breath. I remember this like it was yesterday said to me, I spoke to my son and your company is going to fail. It is a stupid idea and I don't think you should continue it. And I'm doing you a favor by telling you this now. And I remember very distinctly looking at him and saying, thank you so much for your feedback and walking away. And it was one of those things where I just went into constituent comment receiving mode and I said, just thank you so much for your feedback. Long story short, that competition every year always brought back the first place recipient to do the keynote for the subsequent year, talking about how, how much the competition had helped them, the progress that they'd made and whatnot. I, who did not win first at that competition, was asked to come back and speak the next year to talk about progress. And I got up there in a power red dress and my black kitten heels and talked about the importance of believing in your idea, listening to feedback, but being able to know that you are the only person at the end of the day that will either make or break your company and that the naysayers can say whatever they're going to say because they will, but it's important to always stay true to your vision and surround yourself with people that, that align with your vision, but will also provide you feedback when necessary and, and ask. So that's my, that's kind of like an anecdote at the beginning, but it's definitely not smooth sailing. And you know this, what people see on social media and superficially is really only a sliver of the story. Yeah. And, and there's a lot underneath. So I appreciate that question. Answer. Um, while you were talking, I thought about two main like ways we could go with this. One I think is just like the humility and confidence route that you have that I think you are like extremely humble to be able to say what you're saying. But with that comes like a really important like charisma and inspiration that you have just like naturally because you've developed this thick skin and belief in yourself. Um, and then the other thing that I think would be really interesting to talk about is like developing this fear that so many people have into like a courage and a purpose through developing like a thick skin and resiliency. Um, do you have a favorite one of those that you'd want to talk about? <laughs> Either way you want to take it. I'm happy. I think that having a thick skin is really important yeah. and being able to decipher personal from professional feedback mm, Interesting is really interesting. I, as part of Halcyon's incubator program, partook in an activity every week with the other fellows that's called family breakfast. So every Monday we would get together and a different fellow would cook breakfast and we would go around the table in an activity that they would do that said, how are you doing one to 10 personally? And how are you doing one to 10 professionally? Mm -hmm. And having that 
differentiation was really important for me from the beginning to know that I could be doing horribly personally and my company's doing great or my company can be doing horribly personally and I'm fine or my company can be doing horribly and I'm fine. And for me, that was really important in being able to decipher between my identity and my company's identity. And that, that I think is one of the greatest lessons that helped lead to me being able to develop thick skin because when comments come in, you have to know it's not you they're attacking. It's the idea and the business model. And it's not even an attack. A lot of the times it's, let's see how I can help you by pointing out issues. And it's, yeah. it's really just a framing. That's so important. I think that um, in my experience, the more deep you get into something and the more passionate you are, like the more of yourself you put into something, the more feedback like that you get from people because the quality of people around you goes up when you dive so deeply into something. And generally when the quality of people goes up, like the quality and accuracy of their feedback also does, which can be hard for a lot of people who are doing this for the first time. Um, so I think like to transition, you must have had and have like amazing mentors in your life. And what was that like developing relationships with them and how have their like how have they helped you throughout the last few years and how are they helping you both personally and professionally? Yeah, absolutely. I have so many amazing mentors and advisors. And I think like to start, it's really important to acknowledge that they're coming from a point of wanting to support you. Hopefully if you have a, a really good support system and it's also important to say that we're sharing from their shared experiences, yeah. which does not mean that that is something that you have to adhere to, right? So what I like to do and what I say is really important for leaders is you take in all the information around you. You take all the perspectives. Don't take advice. Take shared experiences. Mm. That's really important. Um, don't ask someone what they would do. Ask them what they did when they were in your situation and what the outcome was. Yeah. And that, that's been really important. Um, but as far as advisors and mentors, I have been so blessed. I actually met one of my really good friends now and mentors. His name is Borzo. He heads up a marketing company called Falcon Labs out in Virginia. And he was a judge at a competition I participated in through Entrepreneurs Organization, their Global Student Entrepreneur Award. He was one of the judges at the regional competition. And winning first place enabled the, the recipient of, of the first place you. to have an in-kind prize of working with Borzu and he would help mm. with marketing. Uh, I did win. Yes, I did win that competition. And so I was able to work with Borzu and he came up to me after and said, thank God I get to work with you because <laughs> I love what you're doing and your marketing is crap. <laughs> and this is the first time I met him and I was like, tell me what you really think. Um, no, just kidding. But I, I was so appreciative because that was the issue I really needed to work on was my marketing and branding. And he's brilliant. So he redid all of our branding and marketing and logo and colors and really the external facing of the company. And I said to him, one phone call that I will never forget, I said to him, Borzu, 
why are you helping me so much? External to the scope of what the in-kind prize provided. Why are you being so supportive to me? I said point blank to him. And his response was, Danya, there's no such thing as a self-made entrepreneur. Mm. I was helped along the way. And now I'm helping because I can. And I remember thinking of that after and really reflecting on it because that's something that I now strive, right? I'm growing my company and I've been honored to receive support. And so now when I can, and hopefully down the road, when I'm more able to provide support, once my company is more successful and we've accomplished more milestones, then I'm able to continue giving back. But but Borzu's selflessness was something that really touched me at a time when when having mentors and advisors and really strong supporters and still is so crucial. Good answer. I've noticed in your answers, you're very good at storytelling. Have you always been good at storytelling or is that something you've developed in order to like share your experience? Oh, that's interesting. I love storytelling and it's actually really funny that you bring this up because I feel like there's no better way to relate to someone than through storytelling, right? And I'm a huge believer in forum, which I've really strived to put into place in my company, which is what I shared, but I think it's super important. The component of it's really valuable to get feedback in all aspects of life, but I don't want someone's opinion. I want their shared experiences Mm. and the outcome of their shared experiences. And I think that storytelling is a really great way of not only building psychological safety and being able to have a conversation and and relate to someone on a deeper level, but also being able to provide feedback in a constructive way and beyond feedback and relationship building, but professionally, it's one of the most strong components of of building a, a connection. And I think that's what's really important in my company and has helped me be able to share the mission of my company is by sharing the impact we'll be able to have through storytelling. So I appreciate you picking that up because um, that's something that is subliminal a lot of the time. Like what are the tactics underneath communication? Yeah. But it's it's true storytelling is really important and very impactful yeah i think that one of the really interesting things you just said is talking about how stories actually change like telling saying someone's opinion through saying a person sharing personal experience through the form of a story makes it so that person has to share a fact as opposed to sharing an idea and it takes things immediately out of the unreal and into the real um, which is really powerful, I think. And if you could do that across a whole culture of a company, then you have a bunch of people who are making decisions based in reality, which many people don't do all the time. And, and everyone, everyone's opinions also are primarily based on their past experiences. Right. Tell me your past yeah, experience. Yeah, right. Tell me, tell me what brought you to this opinion, back it up. And maybe it's also wanting to make sure that everyone's opinions and, and facts and experiences are heard in a productive way. Opinions are really polarizing sometimes, oh, yeah. right? Like, I believe this. No, I believe this. Okay, well, tell me what led you to that. Right. 
it takes out the, for a lot of the time, it takes out the emotional barrier and the hard hardness of, of breaking through sometimes yeah. to, to narratives that can often be polarizing. So how did you learn to do that within the context of your company? And then you've brought that into your culture now with your employees. I don't really know if there's like a step-by-step. This is what I've learned on how to do it. I think it's really through well, the culture I really want to build is one that I've seen in other companies and I've taken snippets from other companies that inspire me. So for example, I spent the summer in Target's incubator program in Minnesota. And I just remember learning the first week about their culture and how they live it, especially at corporate headquarters, which is where I was working. And everything they did, everyone I met emulated the brand and the culture of Target. And now to the point that I could show you my phone and the pop socket on the back is a Target bullseye that I just live and breathe that culture and that brand and what it stands for on inclusivity and what it stands for on challenging the norm through CPGs, right? And, and changing and making you feel at home. They call their customers guests instead of customers. It's the small things that make you change the way that you're perceiving an institution and the way things have been run. Yeah. It's it's just so cool. And that's something that that's inspired me. So that's just one one example of of um culture, but I really awesome. strive yeah, to emulate uh, another one too, funny enough, uh, my mentor Borzu on his business card his title is boss. It's Whoa. not CEO, it's not president, it's boss. I said it to him one time. I said, that's why, why why is it boss? Why why didn't you take president or something more traditional? He said because that's my brand and that's my culture. People who see it, who align with my brand and culture will want to work with me more. And people who see it and don't like that, I don't want them as, as, as clients. I, I don't want them as clientele. Maybe you didn't say the latter part, but it's more so like you find people that align with you yeah. on what, on their culture. And it just makes for a greater workplace. So totally. he's inspired me a lot and my mentors as a whole and the corporate supporters that we've gotten through NoNap have continued to inspire me. Nice. Okay. Good answers. Um, I want to take this like out a little bit or up a, a few levels. Out I really of, like, appreciate the validation too on all these answers. You keep saying good answer. I'm like, well, yes. they are. They're good answers. I nailed it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in terms of your personal story, um, along the way doing this business and living a life and having a family and friends and, uh, going to classes and now transitioning into doing an MBA, like you're very busy, right? Um, what has it been like personally to juggle so many different things and how have you, what are some skills you've learned to do that? Yeah. Juggling is a pain sometimes (laughs) because it means that you have to prioritize. And I say that I've become a really good time manager. Mm. I've managed my time really well whether it be between relationships, romantic, personal, professional, whether it be making sure that everything is scheduled and everything that I need to do is in my phone. Or also being aware that spontaneity and flexibility is so important. So I can plan 
but I can't plan for the unplanned. Right. right. And so like even coordinating with friends or staying in touch, if I have time, I will pick up my phone and call someone and say, Hey, I have 10 minutes. How are you? I was thinking of you. And that's really helped me stay connected with my network and in a way and my friends in a way that I otherwise would have lost touch because everyone is busy. So I think those are just some, some fun things that I've done, but it's really just making sure you're prioritizing, not just your company, not just school, not just everyone else, but also yourself and knowing when to say no. Like I found my personal stress reliever. I love baths. Nice. I love bubble baths at the end of a long day. Put up, set up your, I have like a pillow, not a pillow. I don't know. It's like a chair pillow in my bathroom. And I put my computer on it, put on some Netflix, take a bubble bath for like a half an hour, 45 minutes. And that's how I end my day. It's just the perfect de-stressor. I don't know. What about you? How awesome. do you de-stress? Hmm. Um, reading is a good one for me. Uh, going outside running yeah pretty much like exercise and introspection i think are my de-stressors yeah i used to find exercise really helped and i used to find that like weightlifting really helped me de-stress especially when you're going through a lot and there's a lot of uncertainty and so yeah i know look at you muscles doing a nice flex but muscles (laughs) me yeah now i'm more I like to lift heavy things. That's my fun. But <laughs> I, I used to find that going to the gym and just working out until I was so exhausted would help me sleep better. And I would just get out all my frustration of anything. I just, ugh. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved being able to go in the gym and break stereotypes while being in the gym. That, like, yeah. I was surrounded by primarily men. Yeah. And I always loved just being able to lift heavy and lift alongside my guy friends. I remember the first time, and I'm, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm very competitive. The first time I was in the gym, I could barely lift, barely deadlift a 45 pound bar. And I was mortified. I was like, damn it, Danya. Like used to be a competitive figure skater. You were so in shape. What happened? And I used that to fuel me going to the gym five times a week, six times a week, lifting to the point that then I was on par. Yeah. Okay. There are two different kinds of people, I think. There's the kind of person that when you can't lift a bar, gives up. And then there's the kind of person that when you can't lift a bar, you go five or six times every week and like you lift the shit out of that bar, right? Like, what makes you one kind of person? Like, how do you become the kind of person that doesn't give up? Or is it just, are you born with it? Maybe it's Maybelline. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, get it? Because maybe you're born with it? No? Hmm. Okay. Uh, cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say I'm naturally competitive. And that's just something that's in my in my blood. I like to push the barriers of what I think I can do. And it's frustrating when you're on that journey, but I also have a mindset of growth. So I have a growth mindset and growth uh, mentality where I love to see where I started and where I am today and where I want to be. And 
I remember with when I started powerlifting saying within three months, I want to be able to, that was an artificial number, right? I just chose three months, but within three months, I want to be able to lift a hundred pounds deadlift. And I accomplished that in like two weeks. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, now I want to do 200. And then that took me a little longer. (laughs) I was like, okay, now I want to do two plates. And I feel like I got to the two plate goal of 225 deadlift. And I was like, okay, I accomplished my goal. And I got bored. I stopped for a little bit. And you also like, it's dangerous for me too, because I will push myself to the point of getting hurt. And it's really important to listen to your body, listen to your mind and just be smart on that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Is that so what about you? You've got great shoulders. What do you do? <laughs> Thanks. What do I like? What do you question? do? What do you do? I know we talked about working out. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, are we working out together? Are we yeah, lifting together? Let's do it. Okay. Honestly, <sighs> we can like pursue becoming the best version of ourselves in the gym. All yeah. the time. Yeah. Are you still lifting a chair during quarantine? <laughs> no, I've given up on weightlifting. Now I'm trying to do like these finger pull-ups on the door frames. But it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. You've got some strong stuff. fingers. I, honestly, this kid came over, one of my friends, and he is like really good at rock climbing. And he just did like 10 of these. I just like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. So now I feel like I have to do it. <laughs> so you're competitive too. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, definitely competitive. Um, My friend did. No, I need to also. It's also like competitive. I think competitiveness, like truly true competitiveness is mostly with oneself. Like to what you're saying, you know, I agree completely. Um, And I think that's the mindset you need to have in business. You can't compare yourself to the person next to you because you will never be happy. And I will tell you like right now, I really strive to feel everything emotionally because it's really easy to just be in the hustle and the grind and not enjoy the journey. Mm. And that's the biggest thing that like I, that to me, I feel like is just the main cause of burnout. I have a funny story on that too. If you want to hear it, go for it. Me and my stories. These are my anecdotes. Okay. Ready for this? So when I just started my company, my, I had just received some news. I don't remember what the news is, but it was really exciting. Super exciting news. And I called my father to say, dad, I just want to let you know something really awesome just happened. And he said to me, Danya, that's so awesome. I want you to feel that excitement for 30 seconds and I want you to move on. I said, what do you mean, dad? I want to feel this excitement forever. What do you mean? He said, because Danya, there'll come a day where everything will be going wrong. Everything will be horrible and you will just, nothing will be going right. And I want you to feel that pain for 30 seconds. And I want you to move on Mm -hmm. because it's not the highs or the lows that define you. It is the journey as a whole. And to this day, whenever something horrible goes wrong, I take 30 seconds, maybe a little longer, 30 seconds on the average and just feel it and move on. And when something amazing happens, I take 30 seconds, maybe a little longer, and I feel it in my stomach. And 
I celebrate the hell out of it. And then I move on. Because during those times of lows, it's so important to recall that feeling of that high. Not literal high, but like that, that, yeah, yeah. The, that, that the high yeah, yeah. of the mountain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really important to feel the high of the mountain um, <laughs> so that you can get through those, those tougher times. That's really cool. I love that. Yeah, that's from, that's from Papa Sherman. Yeah, I was just <clears throat> talking about this actually similar with, with one of my friends yesterday about how when we're dying on our deathbeds and we look back at our lives, we're going to be looking at the journey of our life, right? You don't look at any of those highs or lows, but the whole thing as a whole. And Absolutely. so if you think about that, the our future's past and the best way to maximize the quality of our future's past is to live the best moment that we can every moment, which means just fully enjoying the present and the journey now, whether it's good or bad. So I love that. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think that that's also why I strive to do whatever is in my heart. That's super cliche. And what do I mean? When I have a situation that makes me uncomfortable and there's an opportunity for me to not do it, that is when I do it. Yeah. Ashton Kutcher. Because I, I regret more the things I don't do than the things that I do do. And you referenced my Ashton Kutcher. Yes. Did I tell you that story? No, I found it. Tell Where'd you find it? On the internet. What, what source? Have I, am uh, I really reusing all my stories? <laughs> no, boring. On, I need, I need better Toyota stories. One. Toyota video. Oh yeah. Toyota's. Yeah. My Ashton Kutcher, 30 seconds of bravery. So go ahead. What's my Ashton Kutcher story? Let's see how well you know it. All right. Well, <laughs> on uh, one time, Donia was at this, the Forbes 30 under 30 conference, right? It was. Because it was. she's awesome. And uh, Ashton Kutcher was there because he was speaking and he saw, or she saw Ashton Kutcher and was like, whoa, that's a cool dude who is a really awesome VC who's focusing on uh, like trafficking, human trafficking, which has a lot of intersectionality between gay And so then she went over and talked to him because she has this idea now, which she lives her life by, which is about when she's scared she does something anyway and those 30 seconds of courage get her through. So she went over and talked to Ashton Kutcher and pitched really fast to her business and gave him her card and that was great. And then she never got an email back, but he made a video about the company and that was really awesome. So that's the story. That was pretty good. Are you for hire? (laughs) (laughs) You retained that pretty well. Um, Yeah, that super... Super, you hit all the all the points. Um, it was yeah. in that split moment where I, I could have walked away and not done anything like everyone else in the room who saw him. And I thought to myself, when would I ever get this opportunity? Yeah. And then I thought it only takes 30 seconds of bravery to do anything. Totally. Because once you've started moving, you're moving already and you can't stop. I'm in motion. An yeah. object in motion stays in motion unless acted upon it by an external force. Totally. So Physics one. It was yeah. It's actually interesting. Win. Winning. Physics win. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hadn't really thought about this, but I went to this, this conference that um, was put on at my school called Own It. 
and uh, it's a women leadership conference, but they encourage men to go. So I went and um, Molly Bloom was the keynote speaker. And she is amazing. You and her would get along really well, actually. I I know the name. She is... Have you heard of the movie Molly's Game? No, okay. So Molly Bloom basically uh, created this, like, gambling ring with really, really high-power people. And then she has this crazy story about how it all kind of, like, fell apart. Um, Really good movie if you get a chance to watch it. But she came in and, like, gave the speech and at the end of the speech, I was like, I just need to go talk to her. Like, she's so cool. Um, and so the same like 30 seconds thing came up. And so I went over to talk to her for a sec and then like left and didn't really achieve what I wanted to. And then I went and was just like sitting and, and writing up some reflections afterward. And the same, like, that was one of the things that I wrote down. I was like, if I have to, if I have the opportunity to talk to someone, I have to take it. Right. And then this like awesome musician walks by, uh, who goes to my school and I've seen him perform, but like never met him before. And I wanted him on the podcast. And so I was just like, like thought that and it was perfect timing. And I just like ran over and I was like, Ross, Ross, like, dude, you need to be on my podcast. And he was like, what? (laughs) I had to fill him in, but now I did a podcast with him. And so I think like that, those 30 seconds of courage that you're talking about are so important. And like, if you can combine that with the thick skin that you, you have to have when people inevitably like don't like whatever you're doing then you can stay in motion too um yeah sorry i know this is your podcast my interview of you but no i no i I, it's it's super true and i appreciated you sharing your story because it made made me come to life in it so i i there are a lot of similarities there and i love it there's so many times where i've just gone up to people and just started conversations and it's I have a mindset that you can learn anything from anyone. Like totally. anyone can teach you something. Agreed. So just yeah. be open-minded. And that, that's all. I so agree with you. Like even someone that you disagree with about everything can teach you something. Even if that's just how to be more patient. Yeah. yeah. Or, or teach me, teach me, tell me, maybe not teach me, tell me why you have that perspective. That's so contrary to where I am. Right. Right. May, yeah, I, absolutely. By you telling me doesn't mean I'm changing my opinion. It just means that now I understand the enemy better. Maybe right. not enemy. That's a strong yeah. word, but you know, and um, under the, under the layer of protection. <laughs> tell me, yeah, but Revelation. actually yeah. my, my degree was in security policies. So tell me why the enemy is <laughs> acting that way. What is their formation? Um, but yeah, it's true. I love it. Cool. Um, I want to move the conversation into, uh, like women's empowerment and, um, I think this is something you're, you're very passionate about. And, you know, when you were talking about going, okay, two stories that you talked about. One, the guy who came up to you after the, the pitch competition was like, you, this will never work. Um, and then another one, you were in the gym and you just like felt like it was so fun to break the norms and be like that strong woman in the gym. Uh, so what is it like being a woman who's starting a company and like, you were obviously an incredibly powerful person. Um, and what would you say to like the other women out there who, want to do this, but don't feel like worthy or are just experiencing a lot of doubt in themselves. And I think that this is something that women have to deal with more than men. So, yeah. The thing I would always say to my friends is just do it. Just try. And the only person that can actively stop you is you. Person that can stop yourself and People are going to say whatever they're going to say, but 
as long as you stand firm on, on why you're doing what you're doing and you know your mission, vision, and values very clearly of what you want to build, then do it. Yeah. I think there's a lot in there, though. Like mission, vision, and values. That takes some serious internal work to figure all those things out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important at the beginning of starting, at the beginning of starting your company to really take that time to develop your MVB, um, your mission, vision, and values. Because when you start to get going and really ramping up, you will not have a lot of time to focus solely on what you want to accomplish in your MVB. And when you start adding people into the team, right? if they don't align with your culture of what you're trying to build and there's no outline of what you're trying to build and everyone's going to be off. So take that time from the beginning to really set the precedent and the, 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 the foundation of what you want. But as far as gender and business, I have quite a few funny, not funny anecdotes. And it's really just a matter of, using who you are owning who you are to the max and what i mean by that is knowing going in that there could be a difference of how you are treated Mm. what do i mean by that when i'm at pitch competitions and there's scientific evidence behind this but i'm sharing from my personal experience that I am asked questions more surrounding risk than my counterparts are asked. My male counterparts are more asked upon questions surrounding the opportunity of their business model. Wow. Interesting. There are more times when my company is emotion focused rather than financially focused. And I'm looking at my experiences competition based, right? So each judge sect has different qualifications of what they're looking for whether it be you wanted to talk about the mission of the company or what you can accomplish the social impact you can do the monetary um, opportunities accessible right they're different based on the competition and, and the mission and the mission statement of that competition but when i'm pitching first or i'm pitching last and i see the pitches prior and a lot of my counterparts are getting asked financial questions. And then I get up there and I'm not asked a single financial question. And I'm prepped and ready to answer those financial questions. I get frustrated. Yeah. So it's just being, being aware of biases, understanding where questions could come up and why questions do. So for example, I was, I was actually talking once also at a, in a classroom. I was talking to students undergraduate students in a, I think it was like a marketing or entrepreneurship class. And this guy raised his hand and said, how old are you? And I said, why? He said, cause you're so mature. He said, would you ask me that question? If I was a guy, when you've had male speakers here, have you asked them their age? Oh, this poor guy, he was silent in the classroom Uh, it's just a matter of taking those small learning like moments of learning to say what did you expect of me yes I'm young 
but did you not expect me to come up here and, and, and pitch? Did you not expect me to have confidence? Did you not ex- what everything else? Right. And it's understanding what is under that question and assuming everyone has best intentions, right? There's a saying that you, you care personally and like critique issues. So you, like, you don't, I wouldn't say like you are X. It's like, tell me what is under that statement that you have. And just being able to point that out more, not being concerned about saying, Hey, what did you mean? I'm sorry. I don't think I understand what you're saying. Cause then it makes them, whoever makes the comment have to backtrack and say, Oh, this is what I meant. Maybe it's a misunderstanding, right? I don't, that's, that's been my experience. And I don't want to be known as a, female entrepreneur i want to be known as an entrepreneur i want to be someone in in this industry that develops many lines of cpgs that's my passion and don't look at me and judge me based off of the superficial attributes of my character judge me on who i am love that i think that like just is that a tangent enough for you yeah that was a great power i love (laughs) i think to distill that down what you said is you have to really believe in yourself and know who you are uh, as one, you have to be extremely strategic in how you interact with people because you're treated differently. And then third, you have to have a lot of empathy for people and really dig into the why of what they're saying so that you can answer the right questions and be there. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not even just me. I'd like to say like, right. It's not just women. It's Everyone. entrepreneurs yeah. of color. Oh, it's true age bias too. young entrepreneurs, regardless of race, religion, sexual orientation, creed, gender. I was at an event where I was with, uh, it was me and one of my other girlfriends who's a powerhouse CEO. She's a double board certified pediatrics and obesity specialist. And she's a black female entrepreneur. And the reason that I memorized the reason that I memorized that she's a double board certified pediatric and obesity specialist is because at this conference, the number of times people came up to her and questioned her credentials and the number of times she had to say, no, I am a double board certified pediatric and obesity medicine specialist was boggling, right? And we were at, this was a conference that we were at representing our university. Granted, we were in the university track but she's a professor for the, in, for the university. And so she, and I was a student. Uh, I was questioned on my credentials throughout. Um, but the amount of times that she was, was maybe, maybe tenfold me. And wow. we would literally, after these days of talking the whole day, pitching the whole day, our companies, we would go for drinks after and dinner and just the two of us talk about what the hell had just gone down because it was a, it was a male dominated event. Um, and you had men from all over primarily Latin America and it was just a heck of an experience. So, but it, all those experiences provide insight and experiences that help you in the long run. But I remember that God, goodness gracious. Now she's working on, on educating the public against coronavirus and she's a powerhouse. Nice. You should look her up. She's a yeah. killer. I'll never get you on the podcast. Yeah. Dr. Yolanda Hancock. 
She's an amazing woman. Awesome. Um, great answer again. I think it, something that <laughs> these words of affirmation. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> one of my I mean, love languages that we identified prior. So thank you. There you go. I think one of the things that, that you're doing been, a great job too. Thank you. I think one of the things that has been super evident for you throughout this podcast is like how much of a growth mentality you have. And you said that, but you know, a lot of people, I think when faced, especially with unfair prejudice, kind of lose that growth mentality. Um, and so that's really huge that you have been able to do that. Um, okay. Just Sometimes to, just being able to say, like, thank you for your feedback and walk away is one of the most powerful things. Not letting words affect you. Um, when I was at Halcyon, we did a training session with a, a woman by the name of Wendy Luke, and she taught us this principle that really helps me when I'm receiving feedback and criticism, whether it be personal, professional, and it's that you want to envision you have a basket in front of you and that anyone's words land in that basket. Go along with me. This sounds a little nuts, but because it lands in the basket, I don't let the words hit me. Yeah. And it's just setting that mental barrier. That no, has, awesome. And I, I will prep that. when someone says, let me give you feedback. I'm like, okay, I got my basket in front of me. Come at me. Yeah. Uh, but just having those. It's really and then you can like look through the basket and be like, oh, this is useful. This is not useful. That's actually absolutely. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So to wrap up, because um, we're almost out of time, I want to ask you, what does authenticity mean to you? Good question. Authenticity just means being your whole genuine unapologetic self. And I think, are you talking more on the personal professional or just, I think true authentic for it to be truly authentic. I think your personal and professional have to be aligned. So one and the same, both. That's interesting. I disagree with that. Actually. I, I, yeah, I, I see, I see what you're saying. Um, and I can understand, but I think that sometimes people have, different identities based off of where they are and who they're around. And maybe this is from my experience of I can be myself, my, my like quote unquote goofy self in my personal life. And then my authentic self in business mm, is very saying. different. Yeah. Yeah. I guess and, yeah, that makes yeah. total sense. I agree with you. And I think that that's my perception. So that's why I say like what, what is that differentiation? But at the root of it, I agree with you. I think it's just being unapologetically you and being comfortable saying, this is who I am. I will surround myself with people that align with who I am. And I refuse to let anyone tell me that I'm not worthy, that, that I am different, that I, or maybe even not that I'm not different, but I refuse to let anyone tell me I'm, I'm not worthy or not deserving of the same opportunity. Yeah. Great way to wrap this up. Um, do you have any places where people can reach out if they want or follow you and see what you're doing and just like plug yourself? Absolutely. So if people want to learn more about Nonap, they can find us at Nonap on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you would like as well, you can follow us, uh, our journey and subscribe on our newsletter at nonap.com to learn more about our upcoming initiatives. Cool. 
Tanya, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been an absolute pleasure uh, and you are amazing. So keep it up. You're amazing. Thanks Thanks for having me. That wraps up episode two. I hope you enjoyed. Danya was such a fun guest to have on. She is really amazing and has great stories that I hope you enjoyed as well as being able to make me laugh. So amazing guest and um, amazing human. She's done really, really cool things. Go check her out at No Nap. Yeah, keep keep watching Danya because she's really going to change the world. I hope you enjoyed the second episode of The Authentic Path. It was super fun to make and expect episode three in the next few days. This is your host, Phelan Sugarman-Lash, wrapping up episode two of The Authentic Path. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.